Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. This week, I have brought on a friend of mine, Julia Nguyen Murat, who I met in 2016, I believe, at an Opera America conference in Montreal. Uh, I I feel like we're in a there was some after party or whatever, and uh, John Rizzoni and I went up to her and and Anna, and we were, I was so excited because number one, they were like one of the only other females in this production group of people, um, and Anna is a TD, so we went over and introduced ourselves, and then we were just like friends after that, and. If you know Julia, you know that once you meet her, she kind of changes your life and your career because she has this weird way of like putting people in your path and connecting, connecting people with projects and companies. And it all just kind of comes together. And all of a sudden, like five years later, you're all like, oh, this was all Julia who did it. And yeah, I don't Cindy know. How and I traced it. it back that at one point to you on like four different companies. So good job. <laughs> yeah, We're keeping Cindy entertained. I appreciate it. He was like, how do I know this person's name? And I was like, oh, yeah, through Bruno and Devin and Daniel. Yeah, Julia just kind of does them all. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so I want to just read the her the first paragraph of her website because there's no way that I can describe what Julia does better than Julia does herself. So she's a, a triple American, Canadian, and French citizen, uh, an international producer and production designer, and the founder of Nulan. Newland Merritt Studios, an intrepid NYC production design from firm, oh my gosh, I can't read, that specializes in theater, film, and TV with an emphasis in opera and immersive site-specific theater. This is why I think Julia and I get along so well. In addition to her work as associate producer for Boston Lyric Opera, Julia is the co-artistic director for Guerrilla Opera and the creative director for Hong Kong-based More Than Musical, which I believe just happened this past week, which is very exciting. I was reading this earlier and I was like, when did I never do about this? Uh, <laughs> she's designed over 400 operas, theater and television, television productions, including 25 new operas and 22 new plays and produced 50 shows. Julia's got a whole lot going on for her. So we're going to have a really fun time trying to keep this to an hour. But and I feel like I need to said, step up my game. I, I really know. have not done that much. <laughs> I feel like I'm slacking. I'm definitely tired when I hear it. <laughs> I feel like it sounds like, oh, very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did you get into theater? I mean, usually we say like, how did you become a designer? But you do so much. So like, what led you to all of these different projects? So theater had always been a, a passion of mine. I mean, starting with opera, actually. The story I like to say is... Uh, my parents, when I was very young, around four or five years old, they brought me to see Bluebeard's Castle, uh, which is a very interesting first choice for a first opera. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but they, they did it very smartly because we read the fairy tale and we actually went and saw like a children's theater production of it. And then they took me to the opera to see it. And then I was like, oh, my God, opera is so magical. It's like everything together, like that, that added element of live music. Um just really resonated with me. And so it's always been in my life, um, even though the, uh, it, it hasn't always been my first goal. Uh, I was actually a pre-med student 
but I would still go see um, shows every week to the point where I figured out that if I was a theater critic of my school newspaper, I could see all the shows for free that way. So while this was in school, that's how I did it. And then one of my friends in, because uh, I lived in the dorms, he was like, Julia, I think you should actually think about doing it, just not just watching it. And so I did an internship and uh, with a set designer, and this was in Montreal, and completely fell in love with it. And I was like, I need to be a part of this. But for me, it 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 very much felt like a world where it was only for the performers. I was not aware of all the other jobs that came with it. So it was definitely a, an incredible revelation. Haven't looked back since. So yeah. Love it. So you started out as a designer. Yes. Um, so I started out as a designer. I did my undergrad in that at Concordia University in, in Montreal. And then I actually knew I wanted to uh, run an opera company or be a general director. Like I, I didn't know fully how to do that. Um, so I went and I got a master's in uh, in business and arts administration from Boston University because I wanted to be at a school that had a really cool also opera department that that see opera was always there <laughs> I just didn't know how to get in um and then after that I actually also did my master's in uh set design for um opera and after that I was like okay I I got the nonprofit part down but I want to really understand the business side of things so I actually worked for two years um, as an assistant and as an associate on Broadway so um I worked with Jack McLean who he recently did wow. Moulin Rouge, all of those. So I learned a ton from him. He was amazing. Um, and he is really good at showbiz. So um, that that was instrumental. And then if you want me to continue. Um, yes, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> After that, um, with a bunch of friends, um, we started this uh, immersive um, theater company. It was kind of like a theater gym in uh, Hell's Kitchen. So we converted a giant loft into a performance space for 72 people. And this was with um, uh, Billy Porter, Jeff Witte, it was all these people who were like, oh, we're trying to, you know, work on some projects, but we, you know, um, uh, Billy was doing Angels in America at the time, but he was really wanting to kind of do more um, productions that would take more risks. So we actually did a drag version of King Lear, which- That sounds way better than the normal version. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> After he did that, um, he actually ended up getting kinky boots on Broadway. So that was fantastic for him. Like, um, wow. I mean, yeah. he's so he's so brilliant. Um, and all all while that was happening, then um, I actually started also designing for um, a small uh, ensemble based opera company in Boston, who uh, we mentioned, but was a guerrilla opera. And they they are really pioneers in doing new works, uh, new music um, that are also um, opera performances. And so that that kind of became my mad scientist lab. And I got to really experiment <laughs> with sounds and meet all these cool composers and uh, directors. And um, while I was doing that, that's when Esther uh, Nelson moved to Boston. And uh, she had just become the general director of Boston Lyric Opera. She came and saw a performance of Guerrilla Opera, and when she saw the space and how the audience was utilized, she was like, "Oh, you know, like call Julia in for a meeting." So I went in <laughs> with my little portfolio, and uh, yeah, and I got to meet John Conklin, who's 
brilliant. Um, and, and also Dendro, who was the director of production at the time. And um, yeah, and, and they were like, let's do a project. So I did one project with them. And while I was doing, it was uh, Clemency, and that was eight years ago. And uh, it was a site-specific opera at the time where not a lot of companies actually did uh, alternative spaces. And it's very mm -hmm. hard. Like, I, I, I realize when the audience walk in, they're like, oh, this is so cool and amazing. But actually, uh, acoustically, it is the hardest thing you could do. Yes. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did that show. And um, I, I guess I used a space really well because um, uh, Final Dress uh the the director of production um uh, it took me to the restaurant and then he he like slid a piece of paper towards me and I was like this is ominous what's happening and uh he, <laughs> like am I fired before my first <laughs> and he's like inside is a job description and I was like okay and he was like we would like to talk to you about coming on board as our associate producer and I was like oh my god yes he's like well, you have to look at the job description. First. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> but I was so excited because I thought they were so cool. Um, yeah, and that was eight years ago and I'm still there. So <laughs> um, what is the job description? Yes, that is a great question. And well, actually and an has ever how much has it changed over eight years of time? <laughs> yes. It's it's an ever evolving job description. Um, also because keep in mind, uh what BLO was eight years ago versus what it is now is completely different. Mm -hmm. uh, eight years ago, they used to do one annex show and then they used to be in residence at the Schubert Theater in Boston. And um, two years into uh, working at BLO, then um, we were no longer in residence um, at the Schubert Theater and um, the entire city of Boston kind of became our venue, which is super fun and, and exciting. Uh, but my role became more about, you know, finding venues and kind of um, playing with that, which was a dream come true for a set designer that you get to actually mm, good go and explore um, and, and, and dream really like where we could do all these productions. But um, what my job also entails, and, and I think it, it goes back to what you're saying um, in terms of me connecting people. <laughs> um, is is really because I get to work everywhere regionally and internationally. I get to meet all these amazing people, and then, you know, I write it down. <laughs> There's a portfolio uh, on you, Cindy. Watch out! All the notes she has about you and who you're connected to. But no, 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 no. But but more like uh, then you know I keep track of like oh this is a really exciting composer or and 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 it's not necessarily people who are specifically doing opera but people I think are very exciting and could be very exciting for the opera world. Um, and so uh, those are the conversations I have with Esther and John and we talk about um, you know oh, let's bring in this director and, or like, have you heard of this piece and things like that? I mean, like a, a great example, for example, was um, at the Opera America conference, uh, I believe was actually the Dallas one. I had never heard of the Handmaid's Tale opera and um, our friend Julia from Minnesota Opera was talking about how they did it 10 years prior to that. And I was like, oh my God, there's an opera about, you know, Handmaid's Tale and it had just started coming on Hulu. So um it, it it started being a part of the pop culture um the book but but not so much and so kind of dug into that and then I was like 
that's right. And it's also set in Boston because I love doing, you know, Boston based uh, narrative because I think that's very exciting for our audience as well to kind of hear stories that are either Boston or Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of dug more into that and then that kind of evolved into um, the crazy, wonderful production that you stage manage. (laughs) (laughs) That it evolved into. (laughs) Which has been brought up multiple times. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it, it's a, yes, it was a huge challenge, but um, I think it was pretty incredible as well. Um, and it's definitely a story worth telling. Um, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so my role is anything and everything. Sometimes I'm helping on social media end of things. Um, sometimes it's, you know, helping write copy for something. Um, sometimes it's uh, looking at the designs for uh, sites productions and checking sight lines or thinking about audience flow because that's something I feel very strongly about um and our guest designers don't always want to worry about that they want to worry more about like the actual like wherever the area <laughs> that we're staging the show. Area. yeah um they don't want to think about where coat check is going to be um so that also is kind of like all encompassing in that way and I and I also get to work with one of my favorite people which is John Conklin he's brilliant and amazing um and um yeah I have a really uh good time and um Esther has been very supportive in kind of um all the ideas that I have (laughs) (laughs) so uh or suggestions we don't always do them but uh, I think it's it's (laughs) wonderful that we get to actually have these conversations um I think that's what makes uh, uh, BLO so interesting for me. So it's definitely right. been a crazy, crazy wild ride. All the wild, I'm going to segue into Hong Kong. Yeah, because that's <laughs> only one of your titles, and Cindy definitely read like 15 titles. So, <laughs> so See, um, and you guys all think that I have too many jobs. I'm going to have Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? women are great at multitasking so I say let's go for it <laughs> exactly um so um uh the my other passion is site-specific immersive performances so I've done anything from um short events either for marketing firms or like I designed for a few years uh, for the Bronx Zoo there was like a walkthrough um like scary experience and then I also did that for the New York Aquarium. Like I, I've, I've done all, all sorts of things, but um, a dear friend of mine, Allegra Libonati, she also does a lot of um, site-specific work. And um, we got asked to do this crazy 50,000 square feet project in Beijing. And so we had to do a Peter Pan experience where you actually got to walk through a uh, native camp, crawl in the home on the ground, hang out with the mermaids in the mermaid lagoon. And we had a full scale pirate ship. So um, that kind of grew very quickly my network in China <laughs> because yeah. I had to be every single scene shop <laughs> possible because we had to get the show up. But not only were we doing a show, I was also in charge of building the building that the show was being performed in. So wow. I learned a lot about contracting in Beijing real fast. <laughs> so it wasn't like an actual place that you were just loading into. No, it was like a slab of concrete, which we ended up having to drill into because we had to run cables. But uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. So that so was that that was a um, a really interesting experience, um, and 
Um, and, and so like, I kind of grew my network there, uh, met, a, uh, met a lot of people. And because I also in the US kind of built a niche for myself for doing uh, immersive or site specific shows, um, I was talking with this opera company that were developing actually a Carmen set in Hong Kong to be performed in Hong Kong that was supposed to be performed last year, but then they were, um, uh, th there was all these manifestations and then the pandemic hit when it got pushed to this summer. So now it's pushed to next summer. Um, uh, but I've been very much in conversations with them about, you know, what kind of presence they can have in the U.S. and what a huge asset it would actually be because there's some really incredible Asian singers in the United States. And um, mm -hmm. it, it really then creates this exchange um, that they get to perform in two countries, which would be incredible. Um, so uh, I, I'm helping like curate that and um, also kind of build a framework for them. So it's, so it's been very exciting. <laughs> so do you have a lot of like 3 a.m.? zoom meetings for with Beijing or have you flown out there a number of times so it's actually uh so, so they're based in Hong Kong but it's a 6 30 a.m meetings because right now also they don't believe in um time change so currently it's 13 hours <laughs> but uh in the spring it'll be 12 hours apart which is always easier than you don't have to do any math You'll right, exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to calculate but, constantly three hours to see where Cindy is. And sometimes our parents go to Hawaii, which is in, what, three hours the other way. So trying to call yeah, people, I got to be like, okay, who am I calling and what time zone are they in? <laughs> no, I oh. love it. Um, and what's cool about this company is they do 90 minutes productions of any of the war horses to kind of, and I, and I think it's super smart, especially now in a pandemic time where we don't want intermissions and we kind of want just a compressed version. I mean, people's attention span is no longer <laughs> able to um, sustain the ring cycle. <laughs> so, oh, well, it was, we barely sustained it when we were, I watched, I've seen two of the ring cycles and they're like four and a half hours each. They, one of them, yeah. when we were in London, they actually had a 30 minute meal break and people brought food. Well, they had like an hour and a half yeah. meal break. Cause we, we didn't, didn't know, know that. <laughs> yeah. I do this thing. I don't know if people know they can do this thing, but I do this thing when I go see a show at the Met that I, when I arrive, I pre-order my intermission drinks and my snack. So that when intermission hits, it's waiting for me on the side of the bar. I don't have to wait that crazy long line. So oh, that's a hot tip, everyone. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually... Yeah. Because usually by the time you're like waiting in line and you get the drink, like they're ringing the bell. You hear the bell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And forget about trying to go to the bathroom. Nope. Just isn't no, going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I go straight to the bathroom. Then I grab my snack and drink. And then, you know, I enjoy the intermission. <laughs> well, if shows Smart. ever open up again, that will be my new plan. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. New plan. So you were designing for Gorilla. Mm -hmm. How did you become, what are you now? Uh, artistic director oh artistic director how what was that transition yeah no uh that's a great question so uh I was first their resident designer there and then I became a uh, director of production so kind of all-encompassing anything production and then two years ago um Aliana and I became co-artistic director um, something to know about Guerrilla Opera is that it's a ensemble run artist led company. So um, 
because you're absolutely right. It, it is actually pretty unusual for a set designer to be running a company in the opera world. Um, in theater, that's, I'm not going to say common, but that's much more common. Yeah. Um, you know, because we've seen lighting designers, costume designers, um, but in opera, it's definitely um, <laughs> something new. Um, John Conklin was the artistic director of Glimmer Glass for for many years, but I keep to my knowledge mm. he's the um and then I think James Robinson too. What he used to be he used to do costumes actually, now that I think about it. But there's not that many people um in the opera field. So yeah. first woman. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. It's always so cool. Yeah. How do you how do you juggle four jobs spread out over how many cities, states, and countries? Especially because she doesn't drive. Oh, yes. That's a good piece of trivia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess it's good you're on the East Coast because it doesn't work on the West Coast. <laughs> I drive 30 oh. minutes just to get home. Oh, um, uh, I, yeah, so how I do you – because I, I feel like uh, – when I was freelancing, as Cindy still does, um, you either have no jobs or you have five jobs on top of each other. Right. Is that you find the same thing? And then how do you juggle like artistic director and everything in Beijing? And uh, I don't even remember your title at uh, BLO right now. But like, how do you how, how do you have enough hours in the day? So, do you ever um, have I'm, enough hours in the day? <laughs> so I. Until very recently, until the pandemic, yeah, <laughs> I so only cool. needed I only needed five hours of sleep. I'm that kind of person. Oh so God, that I do already, like thirteen. Yeah, so so that already. But when you think about it, that opens up so many more options, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, w- w- when you can work so much more, um, but also I just make a list every morning of these are the things you know I make it like a priority and also everything I want to hit and all my meetings and. Um, to me, it, it's when you're in a meeting, that's when you can't do other things, right? That, 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 that's what you have to navigate. But I have found that you just have to make everyone feel like they're your number one priority and believe it and they believe it and you keep moving. <laughs> I think it's when you sit down and you're like, oh my God, I did 400 shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you're in the flow, you don't feel it, right? So it's know. true. Um, and 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 I I've been extremely lucky that even in this pandemic, I've been just as busy. Um, oh, there was a good. there was a yeah, there was a solid month of like oh we're slowing down, but it was more it felt more like pre production, getting ready for other shows because I kept working. I mean, I had seven shows get canceled this summer but I was still prepping other things mm-hmm. um I recently just did two shows at Atlanta Opera which was super fun um one of the advantages of when you've done a ton of shows outdoors <laughs> you know dealing with the elements or that are site specific um uh, in a pandemic where you can only perform outdoors I'm lucky that people are like we'll call Julia she knows this. um so, so I I've definitely been extremely lucky in that respect um 
And so I, I also try to cook up upcoming projects that are, you know, that we can do until everyone has the vaccine. So uh, I, I stay busy. Um, with BLO, actually, we uh, just launched uh, on our website. So now we are uh, with in, in, uh, uh, in, in alliance with the Costume Works, who also builds all our costumes when mm. we're in, in our regular season. Uh, we just launched Clear Mask for um, hearing impairing deaf uh, community in Boston, which is super cool because then you can still lip read um, and you can see the facial expressions, which is super important. So we actually just launched that. Was that something that the opera company went to Costume Works for or was it like a joint idea? How did that come about? It was a joint idea, actually. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty great idea. And uh, Liz Perman, who owns Costume Works, she's been fantastic. And she actually um, sent us pictures of other prototypes of ideas. She she was like, what about couture mask? Or what about this? So... um, (laughs) yeah, I it it's been a a really really wonderful um, collaboration, and also uh, we were lucky enough to get a Boston Resiliency Fund for it, so we're we're able to not only employ these incredible Boston artisans to make the masks, but we're also able to give them for a very um, subsidized price to for local um, Boston residents, so. It's, yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Is it possible to order them online? Yes, you can as of yesterday. So I will send you the link later. You should check it out. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That'd be, well, I was going to say that'd be great for work when I go to work, but then people will know that I'm not smiling at them when I'm supposed to be smiling. I must confess, I've definitely been using the mask to hide some feelings at times (laughs) and when you're outside and you have sunglasses on and the mask on I'm like nobody even knows who I am if I'm glaring at them if I'm smiling at them nobody can see any facial features unless you have my platinum blonde hair color because um, like a month ago I just got out of my apartment I was walking down the street and I ran into three administrators of of, uh, Opera America and I was like so shocked, and they, they and they were like Julia, and I was like, well, I'm not anonymous at all. <laughs> uh, but okay, so don't dye hair blonde. Them. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it was so great to see them though. Like, I was like, oh my god, and and they were they were joking. They're like, oh yes, we're checking up on all our members <laughs> door to door. And I was like, I almost believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bored. I just want to see people, even at six feet away. <laughs> yeah. No. So walking around Manhattan, I'm sure that's possible that you run in, <laughs> especially up there. I know a lot of, uh, I guess, performers mostly up there, but music yeah. people, a bunch of music people. That's true. Very true. Jumping um, so- a little bit. No, what were you going to say? Usually it's I'm me sh- and twin I- talking on top of each other. Um, no, I'm sure we were going to segue to the same thing. So you go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to go, since you mentioned earlier that you are the first female co-artistic director of a company, I believe an opera company, an opera company that started out as a designer. There's a lot of things that Julia's the first up. (laughs) I do want to talk a little bit about, because we, Opera America, we're 
both in this group together, but um, Opera America has a women's opera network that was started mm-hmm. a few years ago at an Opera America conference that has become really big. And they have a uh, mentor mentee program, which you were a mentee of two years ago or last year? Yeah, last year, actually. Um, it was an incredible, incredible experience and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, it's it, it's really in the spirit of, you know, actually lifting each other up as women and kind of helping um, each other. And one of the things that, that I was realizing was I, I am in this privilege uh, bubble, if you will, where uh, at BLO, my general director is a woman and my co-artistic director at Gorilla is a woman. And so for me, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> this is normal. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it really is actually quite the opposite. Um, and and uh, for me, what, what I wanted was because I, I, I very much want and will be a general director. <laughs> um, good, good. We're going to get there. I, um, I wanted to not only grow my women tribe, right? Like meet other administrators. Um, but I also wanted to specifically work with a woman general director that was not Esther um, to kind of get some perspective of, you know, what are some of the things that I need to work on or uh, or not or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> feel secure about. Uh, and um, I, I had the privilege um, to be matched, if you will, uh, with Cheryl Hickman, who's the general director of Opera on the Avalon. And um, so they're based in Newfoundland and she started that company from the ground up. So she was a singer and then she, she just start, she started and and she's, she's a rock star. Um, And so for a year uh, we would um, do check-ins and kind of talk uh, about anything, but also we had like a list of things that I felt I wanted to work on um, as a person and also as an administrator. And, um, and she was fantastic. She kind of gave me tips. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk more about was, uh, you know, uh, being there for my board without feeling like I have to be there 24 um, seven. Hmm. And um, that's definitely something that we worked on together, which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, lots of other things, um, too. So I, uh, to me, it was very eye opening. Uh, because I realize it is very much a reality that I can be a general director and that I should just keep, you know, <laughs> pushing ahead um, and that I actually have all the tools that I, that I need. And um, so, yeah, so that was great um, in that respect um, because I've always been timid of, oh, I'm coming from the design side, you know, they're going to, they're mm-hmm. You know, um, because in opera, it's so much music based, even mm-hmm. though I do casting, I pick opera. Um, I feel like for them, it's like that final step that they're like, oh, yeah, but no, oh, that, you know, that's 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 weird. So do I... you have any music <laughs> music training? Yeah, I mean, like from school, but I don't have a degree in music, but. But you can read music and you under when they, Cindy says words and I'm like, yeah, that passed my music knowledge skills. Yes. Yes. No, (laughs) absolutely. Um, But as, uh, but 
there's so many general directors who can't. <laughs> That's why it, it, it's uh, a little surprising to me at times, but uh, I'm navigating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've met just regular directors who can't read ground plans. And right. to me, a ground plan is so obvious. And they, yeah. they're like, oh, I didn't know the wall was there. It's, it's yeah, right no. here on the drawing. Oh, that's what that is? It's like, yeah, how long have you been directing? How do you not be able, how can you not read a ground plan to know what you're staging in? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the arts, right? Everybody has different um, ways that they actually do their work. Um, some people yeah. are very good at looking at a model. And I know other people don't understand models, but they're great at ground plans. Yeah. Things like that. Changes. Or a sketch. They can't see depth or things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I've always found it interesting that that general directors and I guess artistic directors make more sense, but general directors do come from music background. Cause to me it should be, I mean, maybe just cause I am production, but to me yeah. it should be a little bit more production because that's kind of putting all the pieces together. And I think we have a better understanding of budgets than a singer would. Uh, so I always find that interesting. And I remember having a conversation with you in Boston last time that like, like you mentioned you have a degree in business administration and like, you know how to do budgets, you know yes. how to, create to all balance. those things to balance what I was going to say to balance a budget but you know what all of that means which somebody who is a singer and has never had to think about that it's just interesting to me that they're always the top choice for you yes. know an administrative position so I I don't know why there are not more of us in in leading roles I, as I'm navigating this more and more I think it's also because then there's name recognition with a singer they're like, I think oh, that's yeah. a big one mm -hmm. um but then, you know, I'm like, but I've managed $20 million. Like, <laughs> one more could you possibly want? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I'm learning. So, but, um, so the, the Women's Opera Network has been incredible for the mentorship program, but also um, to kind of grow my network because I've met other wonderful um arts administrators but also performers um through that network too that i was like oh i want to do a project with them or you know they sound really interesting and things like that and or let me connect you with this person um so, so you were the min mentoree mentee mentee and then cheryl was the mentor so which was now that you've gone through yeah. that do you think you want to be a mentor and help other people oh, grow I would and learn love to yeah, absolutely. I would love to. I feel like for some people, I already am officially, but yeah, um, probably. Yes. Yes. Because that, I, as a technical director, I never meet many other technical directors because stage managers have multiple ones on shows and TDs don't. Um, right. But I also don't know any, I think we've met, or Cindy knows like one other female TD. So I don't really have other people in the field that do what I do. Right. And so I, that would be super cool to just meet other people or, yeah, be like, oh, have you had this same issue? <laughs> right. Somebody else no, to talk absolutely. to. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Because for years and years, we just keep all these stories to ourselves, right? We just like, mm -hmm. we, just, we just keep on going and, you know, laugh when the men are also laughing. Because that's hilarious, even though it's not. And, 
<laughs> well, oftentimes I do giggle at a lot of their jokes. <laughs> but I'm so used to being around men constantly that I'm just, yeah. that's yeah, just how too. it works. Yeah. No, uh, 100%. Um, I mean, and you know this, when I was starting out, I would show up to a theater and they'd think I'm the assistant. They'd be like, oh, when is this? Yep. Because I was a woman. Um, I remember um, at, uh, was it El? Yeah, El Paso Opera. Oh, no, Amarillo. No, El Paso. El Paso Opera. <laughs> Something we in Texas. Like, I'm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Texas. <laughs> no. Um, I was, uh, we, we were loading in uh, a butterfly. This is like 15, 16 years ago. And um, the one of the singers came to me with a note and was like, Julia, I love this set. And I was like, where are we going with this? Um, but he's <laughs> but like, do you mind if we move all, they, there's kind of like these lending um, pebbles that they were about like 18 inch diameter that they would hop from one to another before they would get into like a higher platform. He's like, because when I hop from one to another, it's actually at a different um, tempo than the music and it's throwing me off like when I hop so he's like if you made them closer then actually I would be able to like count the music instead of interesting not falling between each <laughs> and I was like oh yeah 100% I mean that's a great note right like that's, yeah. that's definitely something like you have to address like <laughs> and your pebble like- spacing really isn't going <laughs> to adjust any of the set design ideas probably. <laughs> yeah no no well listen I know some set designers who would have said hell no but mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so I, so I went backstage and 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 the entire crew was watching some football game and I was like hey guys uh, we need to move these pebbles um and they looked at me like uh-huh like it was like deep in the game and there, this is a union house I was like somebody could come back on stage with me with a screw gun and do it or if I'm allowed I'll just go and do it because like they were they were definitely very <laughs> engrossed in this game and they were like here's here's a screw gun have fun so I went back on stage with the screw gun and the singer was like oh my god okay I didn't realize it was going to be you um okay give me the gun I'll do it I'll unscrew them that's fine and I looked at him and I was like are you asking me because you really like power tools or I'm a woman? And he was like, I will be in my dressing room. I apologize. <laughs> See, and that's, oh, that's something an I, have, I have brought up with a couple. Fr- my best friends are all guys. The guy I work with here, I'm close to, like, all guys. I just, I'm with guys yeah. constantly. But I was talking to a friend from college who I've been close to for years, and I taught him how to use power tools and how to read ground plans and all that. But every time I start a new job in a new company, no matter what my title is, I have to retrain the guys that I can do it. Yeah. And be like, no, I know how to use this. It's a screw gun. I got two of them in my car and have for years. Like, it's fine. But I have to go yeah. through the same process every company. Every time I meet a new group of people, I have to be like, I know how to do this. And it, yeah. And I get used to it. And then I stay at a company for a number of years and they get used to it. And then I go to a new company. I'm like, oh, God, I got to start all over again. Yeah. And the, the I, I don't want to call John out. He, I doubt he ever listens. But um, he's a furniture <laughs> maker. And I haven't brought my tools into the shop because I wasn't doing tool work. I was on the computer and then the pandemic hit and I was like, hey, let me do stuff. And he tried to explain to me how to use a pad sander. And I just started laughing 
And then I stopped and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I've used one of these for like 20 years. But go ahead and explain it to me. And now he has stopped explaining some things to me. Um, but yeah, it was like, I know. I, it's a sad Yeah. Day. I got it. <laughs> Which is funny because like two generations after us, they would even, they, they, they wouldn't be like, oh, let me get the tool and help you. Right. Like I think now these young gentlemen <laughs> are used to seeing women do everything and anything. And mm -hmm. that's exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I absolutely. think it'll help, help other people after me to be like, Oh, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can't do these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is good. And it's helping, but yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got it. <laughs> and, and that's why I love uh, the women's opera network, because we just talk about the work. We don't talk about like, Oh, you know, let's, <laughs> let's get sugarcoated and, and, and be all sweet and bubbly about it. We'll just, you know, let's let's talk about getting things done. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. But then I think yeah. it's also great with the Women's Network, uh, I'm not in it, but just there are some female things like uh, fall harnesses. The eight shape yeah. does not work with my boobs. It just, <laughs> I can't wear the fall harness that way. It doesn't fit. It's not comfortable. Yeah. It's no, awkward and, and weird. And we need to have these conversations. Super yeah. important. But yeah. there's no reason guys would think that. I also think it probably pinches guys in some areas where I'm like, yep, nope, not bothering me there. <laughs> <laughs> different things. But general, just don't think just about it. Wanna... Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, sometimes there are things like that that you got to talk about. And the guys are like, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, look at how this is laying on my body. Not working. <laughs> We need to order Not different harnesses that fit us. <laughs> yeah. With the Women's Opera Network, you mentioned talking with your mentor regularly. Did you guys yeah. get together as a group of like mentees or as a larger group or after the we initial did. thing, it was mostly one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, we did. So we taught, we had a check-in with everyone about every two months, actually, um, wow. the whole group. So mentor mentees of that cohort that year however you choose to call it mm -hmm. um I know some people have strong feelings about the word cohort uh, right <laughs> and um and what's great is also when we go to the conference one day um, <laughs> we, we also have kind of a meetup with just the people who went who did the mentor mentee program and then there's another meeting where it's everybody from the network, which is great. So that's, that's, those are other ways to stay in touch. But I, I text Cheryl still a lot. <laughs> so and we text each other news. It, it's not just, you know, work related. It's, it's also, you know, life news or have you seen the news of XYZ? So yeah, mm -hmm. Ele elections, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing going on right now. <laughs> Yeah, to either that so. or what movie's been postponed or what event's been right. canceled, what theater company's yeah. closing. Yes. Or yeah. like, have you tried this with your patrons? Is it working? It's, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, and, and and that way, I also got to meet other incredible women um, too, um, not just Cheryl. So so it's it, it's been tremendously wonderful. How do you join that or become part of that program? So if you are a, a woman identifying person, you can just join. 
You are welcome. That's how open women are. <laughs> right? Great. You want to be my friend? Thank you. Uh, is it? Is it? Um, sorry, I'm, Cindy the, knows all of this, but do, the web. Do I go yeah. to a website? Do I go to a Facebook yeah. group? Do I? What the, do I there, do? There's a. There's a. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a Facebook <laughs> group. So if you look up Opera America Women's Opera Network. Because there's a lot of women's opera group, but this one is specifically Opera America Women's Opera Network. Um, you can just ask to be a to be friended, if you will, because it's a it's a closed group. Um, uh, it's a set on the the settings on private, and then somebody will friend you back. For example, your sister. Um, and <laughs> maybe <laughs> that'll be the true that'll be the true test yeah. And, uh, yeah and then you you can join the conversation and it is you know uh the conversations are also curated and moderated so it's not if you're you can be a gentleman and join that group um but don't start posting about all your shows that are only male-centric produced by only men and only sung by men um, mm -hmm. because that post will get removed because <laughs> that's not the point of this um, group. Um, but anything else, you know, share any great news. Some people share baby news. Some people share production baby news. So <laughs> <laughs> both are exciting <laughs> um, and important. Um, there's also some wonderful articles that people are posting or giving heads up about things they've noticed. Um, and I think that's important, too, to kind of share that information um, for the uh, mentorship program. That is something you have to apply. And that is something that is um, there's a committee and you have to do an application, like submit your resume and why this is important and things like that. Um, and yeah, and I believe they're going to reopen application. I want to say it's in February this time around that they'll start it. They're starting it a little bit later um, this year, just because of the pandemic, I think, and tweaking some stuff. And did so, you yeah. have to write down what it was you were looking for? Like what yes. position you wanted? Well, it's not a position per se, but more like uh, who would be my ideal mentor. And it was kind of funny because, um, I knew of Cheryl, but I, I didn't know Cheryl. And so mm -hmm. once they told me like, oh, this is who we're thinking, I kind of looked her up and I was reading an interview she did. And I was like, wow, we are like weirdly, oh my God, I'm going to say it, twins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. There were, things, there were things like even down to like the cocktail she likes. I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and she was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. Nice. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So you did mention that men can join it, which I know was a discussion point yeah. at one of the, um, I guess there are always morning ones when I went to them, you know, but the um, actual, right. what are they called? Conference? The actual. Um, yeah, the co conference. Yeah, yeah, session. The actual get together. Yeah. And so they were saying, yeah. you know, it is Women's Opera Network, but like, that doesn't mean that guys can't be here too. And I was very proud the second time that John Rizzoni came with me. And I think yeah. he was one of like six men in the room, you know, but like, yeah. that's important. Which leads me to the fact that I think you said after your like official mentor relationship with Cheryl, that you went to Roger at Omaha yes. to ask him, can you tell us how that was? And like, 
was there a big difference between the way that he functions as a male versus a female? Obviously, they're two different companies, two different settings, you know, but like, did you see any more of a similarity and differences in in how they worked? Absolutely. Um, So yes, so I I had been working with uh, Roger White for seven years um, by then. And I was talking to him about the mentorship. And it's funny, because at the very beginning, when you go through the interview process, because they, they, they interview um, more than I think that the mentorship is, and they kind of ask you all kinds of questions. I remember, I, I distinctively remember one of the questions was, um, you know, do you have a preference if your mentor is a man or a woman? And I remember being surprised by the question and being like, yeah. I thought this was called woman. <laughs> 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 but they made the very good point and they were like, but think about it, Julia. Yes, in a few years, there'll be lots of women. Um, but right now, there are not enough women in those positions that people are looking to kind of uh, be in or learn more about. Um, and so I remember that and that that had resonated with me. And I was like, oh, right. I need other perspectives. <laughs> um so, so when I wrapped up that year, I, I, I more kind of formally approached Roger and I was like, do you mind if we have a check-in? So we usually check in like uh, every five to six weeks about life or things that I'm working on or if I apply for a job or um, like a project I'm working on. Um, and uh, yeah, and he gives me insights or like, you know, this is what a board will tell you or this is what a company will tell you and things like that. So um it, it it's more um i don't want to say like men are from mars women are from venus but um oh i hate putting people in boxes because that's what we're fighting <laughs> but so this true is what i'm gonna say <laughs> this is what i'm gonna say um women are great when you have a problem to just talk about it right like we'll brainstorm we'll talk about it men they want to find a solution so like when you go to them, it's not just event. And I remember like I de- distinctively had that, uh, that, 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 like I, I realized that when I was talking to my dad when I was in my teens, because I realized like I would vent about school to my mom and it was just literally to like get it out. And my dad was like, okay, all right. So who do we need to talk to to fix this? And I was like, that is not <laughs> what this conversation is about. It's for me as a way to process things, right? Um, and and uh, I would definitely say, like, when, when talking with a man, that's definitely something that I've I, I've noticed. It's like, all right, action plan. Let's do this, which is super helpful when you want an action plan, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, that's definitely something that uh, I, I've enjoyed. But also, um, it wasn't just like, oh, Roger's a man. That's why I'm going <laughs> to talk to him. But he also has a very different network than Cheryl because Cheryl is is um, like she knows everyone uh, in opera, but she's also more Canada centric, um, which makes sense because that's where her company is. And Roger is in the U.S. So I get to have those insights, which is super helpful. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting that you said women want to talk about it and men want to solve the problem, because I feel like if someone's telling me something, I... Mm -hmm. I immediately try to solve the problem solve it. or yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just, yeah. I grew up and, in and a, what... a math science family. I mean, our dad's very yeah. artistic and 
weird minded for being a scientist, but numbers and math and solving the problem make more sense to me. And so I've been trying (laughs) lately to figure out and even ask, is, is this like, do you, do you want me to just listen or are we trying to like figure out yeah. what the next step is? But those are definitely so, two different things because sometimes when I get home, I just bitch and moan and scream and yell at my husband. He just sits there quietly and just listens <laughs> and I'll be like cussing up a storm and there's nothing he can do about it. <laughs> so like, yeah, he, yeah. he falls more in the uh, women listening thing. <laughs> And I'm the one who's but, like, okay, now what, you, you you don't like your job, so like, are you looking for another job? Have you started a resume? Have you applied to places? Right. Like, what's the next step? Right. Huh. Right. And, and for me, yeah, yeah, and, and that's interesting, too, because, um, so, so I like to say my soul is French. We talked about all my nationalities. Nationalities, yeah. Um, I barely can be American right now. <laughs> you have three countries. <laughs> but, but, um, but. Like I'm an external processor, I guess is how we would identify it, right? And so sometimes I'll talk about something and it absolutely sounds like I'm complaining. I'm like, ah, rah, 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 rah. Uh-huh. like, oh, okay, so you hate it. So like, okay, we hate them, right? And I'm like, no, I love them. I'm just <laughs> saying like right now they're driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. Um <laughs> And that's why I say sometimes that's my French because like we just say it and then it's out and then it's done, right? Like we just need to say it out loud. But it does help process because in my head it just goes over and over and over and it gets nowhere. And then once I like talk about it, it's like, yeah, oh, okay. Okay, I guess. Now I can move on. Yeah. Yeah. And if my husband doesn't listen, I call twin. And then she would say, here's the action plan. Or she says, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I feel like sometimes I know when it's just complaining and when it's like not complaining. But there have been times where I'm like, okay, I've listened to you complain about this for two years. And so like now it's time to do something about it because yeah. I've listened to you complain yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, now we've moved on from that part. Yeah. Especially in shows, right? Like we get really upset because like all the emotions are heightened yes. and then we forget about it. The next yes. show. And we're like, wait a minute. It's the same thing. So I, I, let me tell you my, my little insight because I was like, this pandemic happened. The world has changed. Everything will be different. I go into tech. Everything's exactly the same. We're still spending <laughs> 10 hours. We're still complaining about the same thing. So let me reassure the entire world, nothing has changed. <laughs> I guess that's probably good because I was talking to, uh, she's a, I don't know what her title is at this, my current job. Um, but she's like, I feel like when we get out of the pandemic, we've been so used to not working for so long that I'm going to forget yeah. how to work 12 hour days. And I'm like, yeah, I agree it- because I have watched more freaking TV and I only watched an episode a night, but I've watched more TV and had more downtime during the pandemic than I've ever had in my entire life. Like even in college and high school, because yeah. we were still doing theater and AP classes and accelerated things. Yeah. And now I'm just like, yeah, I've made five loaves of sourdough bread this week. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. It kind of, it's kind of like riding a bike. Because I it just like, comes I'm back. exhausted after just two days. No, we tech for 10 days and I was fine. So, 
Good, good. So I'm not going to yeah. lose lose it after nope. a couple months of doing nothing. Nope. nope. I mean, I would say like if you were starting out in your career, that would be very different. But you've been doing it for so many years. It'll be smooth. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same with Miranda. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't got to work 14 hour days right. again. But no, you just kind of go right into it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I could totally do six hours of sleep. This is not a problem, you know, because I was like in that yeah. mindset. And like you, I like wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, here's my checklist of what I have to get done today. Right. And this is, this is what I have to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And it makes me yeah. feel better. It's okay. I have to say, Sweet. this new thing this pandemic has brought me, though, that I hope I will maintain post-pandemic, is uh, uh, meditating. Because I used to always be like, I don't have time for this. Mm. Um, but um, the other thing I've, I've done recently, too, was uh, the leadership intensive with Opera America. And so with some of my peers from the leadership intensive, we meditate every day, which is really great. How long do you guys do it? I know a couple people who do it and they highly recommend it. I just, yeah. And we do it. Trying to shut my brain off. Yeah. Wait, how do you meditate via zoom with a group of people? So, So somebody has to kind of host it. So there's one person guiding it basically. Um, and then everybody else mutes themselves because we know puppies, babies, everything comes, you know, yep. rolling in. Um, and, and then, you know, it, it's 10 to 15 minutes. And at the end of it, we, you know, we, we unmute ourselves and we say goodbye. And that's it. You know, it's kind of a nice pause during the day. <laughs> How, what is a, what is a lead meditation? Like, is it the same yeah. every time everybody relax and you go through all that or no, it's Never different done every day. Days. Yeah, it, it, it's different every day. So I love that you use, I mean, I know physically it's to mute and unmute yourself, but yeah. it kind of totally makes sense with meditation. You know, like <laughs> you're muting your brain and, after, you know, like you're trying to mute your brain. You're trying to mute all of the noise that's that's coming in. And then after yeah. 15 minutes, you can unmute, but it still feels calmer. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the other really thing cool I idea. started doing only this week, which I wish I had done months and months ago, was uh, finally figuring out how to turn off the self view because I realized that's what was exhausting me was to like watch oh, myself react is, to other people. Yeah. Ugh, it's exhausting because then you feel like you're on so much more. Yes. Yes. And then you're staring at yourself as much as you're staring at anybody else because you're like, how's my hair? What does my background look like? The shadows on my face look funny. And then I yeah, forget I, that somebody else is talking. Yeah. In fact, like, I was just oh, looking and I was see? like, do I need to adjust my camera? Like your guys' head go. is much higher in the screen than mine. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody can see, but I was just looking at that a minute ago before you said that. Yeah. And and that's definitely, I wish actually when I did the uh, webinar, a couple a few weeks ago about women's opera network that's when I became very aware <laughs> of myself I was like there's gotta be a way <laughs> yeah. that was an awesome turn webinar self, turn off self-view I've never even thought about looking into that yeah well sometimes like when I'm teaching or giving a talk I usually just throw a post-it over my head like uh, on the screen, but then I, I I realize I still sort of see myself, and then I draw, <laughs> and I like that. So this is so much healthier for me. <laughs> I know we're probably close to the end of the time, but you've mentioned this a few times that like, that you teach, and we yes. haven't even talked about that at all. Oh, yeah. what 
is it you teach and where do you teach and how during this time are you teaching? Yeah, we so, hit an, uh, I think we hit an hour, but because of the starting and stopping and twin doing the intro like four times, uh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I, I teach at Pace University and I teach different classes. So um, one of them is actually this is this is my uh, this is definitely one of my favorite classes. Um, uh, not that I don't love them all the same, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's actually teaching design to directors, and that is like nice. that sounds cool. It is groundbreaking for them to like understand ground plans or like having you know one of my favorite exercises is. I I um I divide them into teams and then I give them each a different fairy tale and then I'm like your costumes, your lighting, your scenery, blah blah. So and, and but I email them all individually so they all show up with what they think their show is going to be, mm-hmm. and then they realize when they see the rest of the team that their version of Little Red is completely different as somebody else. And I let them work at it for an hour so they're you know they're they're negotiating right like oh no she's like this blah blah. And after an hour, I'm like, so you're doing the children's theater version of it and you're doing the opera and you're doing the musical and you're doing the site specific. So then they're like, our concept doesn't work. We're like, welcome <laughs> to producers. That is <laughs> um, Serious. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I love that. Um, I also teach site design uh, for juniors and seniors. And I also uh, teach uh, showcase. So it's kind of having people from the industry to come and um, uh, kind of see their portfolio on their senior year. Um, And um, also uh, like producing and administration contract writing and all that. Um, But I, I, it's funny because I was already sort of teaching remotely. Um, I mean, Cindy has definitely seen me in a lobby, teach a class while tech was getting prepped. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I was already ready for Zoom. <laughs> it just so happens that now they always see the same background behind me. Um, so <laughs> that's that's the difference. Um, and yeah, uh, I got to see them a few times in person this semester um, before uh, Thanksgiving. So that was also really wonderful too kind of see them in person uh but yeah that that's something else i i enjoy doing um and i think that's why mentorship to me makes a lot of sense because i'm also uh an educator at heart at soul mm-hmm. um a- and i i i've been teaching in and out over the years um i taught at um northeastern university for a few years and then my career really picked up like exponentially and I was like I can't I felt like I was cheating on my students because I felt like I was so much on the road so I kind of took a step back um but also as my career grew I kind of hit a rhythm where I didn't need to design as many shows um and so kind of in that stability I was like actually I can go back to teaching um a little bit so that's why uh, it's been really great to to you know get to shape the next generation right to continue to help the next generation like you said in a generation or two from us hopefully it won't be yeah. as weird yeah or it'll be yeah. more uh mixed. I, I already 
I already see it, you know. Do you in in your students a lot absolutely. more diversity? Ab- absolutely. And it, and it's I mean like just think about it. When we would enter a classroom, we wouldn't even have thought to say our pronouns. Now this is right in their culture from the beginning. Um that's so, true. so it's a, it's amazing, you know, and that to me, that's so inspiring and so exciting. And, and I can't wait to see what else they're going to do. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. That's um, awesome. But, but I feel very, very lucky to be in the arts, incredibly lucky to be working in opera. Um, you know, not everybody gets to do that. And so, uh, I definitely don't take it for granted. And I also want to share that passion with people. So, yeah. yeah I do say it's great for others to see that, oh, look, a female in my position or higher or in a position I want yeah. to be in, or it's not yeah. just an old white person, which I feel like when you think of opera, you think of a lot of older white old people. White. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sorry, like, opera um, <laughs> Yeah, no, but like you, you, you had Bruno uh, a few months ago, right? Um mm-hmm on your show and we met doing a show at loft opera and he met me and he was like okay i need to do more of this <laughs> like how what is this but, um, yeah that's so bruno because he's like do i want yeah. to be a director do i want to do this do i you know stage manage ad yeah. direct yeah he's yeah he just wants to do all of it yeah and it's i think it's great and 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 we sat down and i was like okay here are the steps here's what you got to do because like the other thing when you're starting out, it's like, we forget the pay our dues, right? Like we, we're like, we're ready. We're going to call a show and we're going <laughs> to design the next day. But we actually have to learn <laughs> some stuff too. And outside um, of school, because what I learned in yeah. school, though it was useful, most of what I learned was not in the classroom. It was very different. Yeah, me too. Like when, when I actually, I got to work with Derek, I was like, oh, that's really what a budget is, not the cute <laughs> school budget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so no, absolutely. And so it, it's been great to get to work with Bruno as well, because, you know, I've seen him grow exponentially as an artist. And I, I just can't wait to see, you know, <laughs> what other projects he's going to work on. So, yeah, I, I think they're, they're, the next generation is very inspiring. It's great to hear. Because there's always that, you know, yeah. theater's dying. It's like, no, there's still lots of us who care and want to work in this no. field. I think we'll not. I mean, there's theaters from the moment we walk the earth, right? Like, if you look at the Lasco Cave, that, that's your first scenic painting right there. <laughs> the, moment, the moment you found a pigment, that's it. Yeah. First fire, that was your lighting. And the cave was your acoustic. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it the industry that's it. been dying for how many years? <laughs> I know it's it's like the the oldest joke I guess yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and I definitely see my mission in life to make opera relevant because so many people associate it to oh that's that's 400 years ago you know like now it's musicals and I'm like it's a world for all of it and it's actually a very young art form like nobody's calling paintings old like what why are yeah. you calling opera old yeah. It's interesting. So. Yeah, nobody's like, oh, you're painting? Didn't yeah. That go out of style like yeah. Renaissance. Wasn't that like three centuries ago? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it is, in the Renaissance, and now it's just been going downhill for the past 600 years. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fascinating. So, 
Yep. That's, That's love it. My work. Love my work. <laughs> Yay! Loving work. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for joining us and and catching up a little bit. I mean, we'll have Twin to catch has up. to go have coffee. Yeah, get over to that side of town and go have coffee. Uh, outside, <laughs> six feet apart, not near each other or anything like that. Bring some hand sanitizer, but uh, you're set. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay there's yeah. parks in inwood we can meet up so yeah yes the beautiful parks mm-hmm. wait yeah. wait order the mask first so that they can see your face oh yeah from blo so and can, then go so you can stick your tongue at me and i can see it <laughs> yes that <laughs> well i'll actually smile at you as opposed to some other people like you said i feel like once we go back to not wearing masks i'm gonna have to like retrain my face not to do things sometimes because Right now, I don't have to worry about that. I can just make their faces all I want and people don't know. The opposite of that, when I pass someone in the grocery store and I smile at them and nod, and I'm like, they just think I'm nodding at them because they can't see me (laughs) smiling at Like, I'm trying to be polite because I, you know, moved over so they could pass me in the aisle and I just nodded at someone. just giving me really big eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Keep smiling and nobody can see it. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. I'd rather, I don't yeah. know, I guess I'd rather that. Well, thank you so much, Julia. This has been so, so awesome. And we'll have to check in again in like a year or so and see how. How I'm running a company? Yes. I want to see yes. that too. Well, I was going to say how many new titles you have in a year uh, from different Hopefully companies Hopefully general director will be one of the new titles. Yes. That's or the goal. just do less titles and one big one. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be that's great. not going to happen. <laughs> I know, right? Cindy <laughs> so, thinks that sometimes too. It doesn't work. True. I keep being like, hey, you should join that board. Hey, go <laughs> join that committee. You're not doing yeah. anything, right? Go fold pants at Gap. <laughs> That's not a very exciting title for her, but like I get discount pants, so it works for me. <laughs> so very exciting for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Say hi to Patrick for me. Hopefully he's doing well. And yes, he told me to say hi to you. So Yay. I didn't know if you, we were taping or not. So I was like, no. oh. <laughs> it's fine. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk thank soon. You. I promise. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.